Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So it's one thing to lose to Kentucky, but how about the way Florida lost to Kentucky? And is Billy Napier feeling the pressure up there in Gainesville just a little bit? We're going to talk about all of that and all things college football with Matt Baker coming up on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with Steve Bursnick. And before we get started, we want to remind you guys that it is still hurricane season, right? But there's time to keep the power on. Without breaking the bank, and that's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. With solar battery backup power, there's no fuel cost, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance cost, plus May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty. Now, solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month, and if you lose power, a generator could cost you $2,000 a week to keep your house running. New solar battery systems qualify for a 30% tax credit, or you can add a battery to your existing Emphase solar system. Now, trust the pros in solar to learn more about May Electric Solar's battery backup. Or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, best time of the week. We're going to talk some college football. We do that each and every week with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. And you can read him on tampabay.com. Matt, let's start up the road here in uh, Greater Gainesville and talk about the University of Florida Gators who, in the past, maybe not the recent past, but in the past, playing Kentucky in something other than basketball seemed like a win most of the time for the Florida Gators. Not only was it not a win, they were dominated up there by Kentucky and the Wildcats, and they did it in a way in which they more or less ran the ball down their throats. So what now are we to make of Billy Napier into this year where things are just not going well at all for his team. Well, it's it's not good. Let's start, let's start with the right. obvious. Right. It's it's not good, and I got a, a ton of thoughts. I've written a ton at TampaBay.com. By the time you listen to this, my my latest newsletter may or may not be out, and I've got a bigger picture look coming as well that I'm putting the finishing touches on. There, there's a lot to say here. Um, let's start with Kentucky is good. Maybe better than good. Um, this is not the Kentucky that was a doormat for a long time. No, Kentucky is good. They've been doing this for a while. They're, they have progressed from being a tough out to a good team. You know, I had them in my top 25 going into the game, and, and playing up there, is, it's tough and all that stuff. That's Okay, give Kentucky their flowers. Good job. But Florida should not be losing to 19 points by 19 points to Kentucky, period. End of sentence. Um, maybe you can excuse that if there's a ton of weird injury luck or Kentucky has got a sensational quarterback, a Tim couch, or, um, you know, it's, it's year one or something like that. But you know, we're, we're 18 games into the Billy Napier era and for Florida to be losing to by 19 points to Kentucky is, is crazy. It's, it's almost unfathomable that that is where they are as a program. And, you know, I, I'm going to steal a line from Alex Kirshner's uh, on the Split Zone Duo podcast, which is one of my favorite college football listens. And he said the other day, it's time to have a dialogue about having a dialogue with Billy. Mm. And I think that's where we are. You know, I'm 
let's be a thousand percent clear. It is not time to talk hot seat. You know, it's even if it was Florida would owe him 31, 32 million dollars after this year. I don't imagine that being in the work. So put put that out. Um, and I don't even know that next year is necessarily a hot seat either. But it is certainly fair at this point. 18 games is enough of a sample size to get a feel for who he is and what he's been able to do. And I, I want to read you a couple of things here, Rick, to continue my rant. Um, so I looked up the coaching carousel, the coaching cycle that, that Billy was hired in. So 21-22. Mm-hmm. There were 15 coaches who are in the Power Five, including SMU, which is going to join it. So 15 uh, coaches kind of in, in that ballpark with Billy. He has the third worst record at 9-9. Nine and nine. The only two he's better than are Brent Pry at Virginia Tech, who's 5-11, and 11, heading into Florida State this weekend, and Tony Elliott at Virginia, who's 3-12, and 12, and obviously Virginia at the end of last year had to deal with the, the horrific shooting there. That's it. Everybody else, Billy, has a worse record than. And when you start looking into some of the ones that he has a worse record than, you know, it, it, it's like Brent Venables, who had a really tough year one at Oklahoma, but they're undefeated going into Red River, a top 15 team that could maybe win the Big 12. Um, you look at Brian Kelly at LSU. Yeah, they've kind of slipped here a couple times this year already, but they won the West in year one. Lincoln Riley's got a national title contender at USC. Sonny Dykes at TCU made the national championship game last year. Then two in particular that jump out, Kalen DeBoer at Washington and, and Jake Dickert at Washington State. They're 16 and 2 and 11 and 6, respectively. They inherited dumpster fires. You know, <laughs> Washington was an absolute mess under Jimmy Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, I mean, that was one of the worst coaching, you know, major coaching hires in the last 20 years. And Kalen has them 16 and 2, and the Huskies is a legitimate playoff contender. And Jake Dickard obviously inherited a mess with, with his predecessor, Nick Rolovich, didn't want to take the vaccine, and it, it just this this different kind of mess. And he's an 11-6 and six with, with you know Washington State as a top-15 team that could win the Pac-12. And, and Billy Napier's 9-9. Nine and nine. And I'm, I'm not going to say he inherited a great situation from Dan Mullen, because I don't know that he did. But 9-9 nine and nine at Florida, I mean, that, that would be... Uh, tied for the third worst record through 18 games of any Gators coach since World War II. Wow. That's what we're talking wow. about. Yeah, that's what we're talking about right now. Man. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, he's in... Uh, I can keep going if you no, want. Well, no, we're going to keep going <laughs> on this topic. I mean, he he's in rare company and not the, not the, the Steve Spurrier side of things that you want to be on. So what is... When you look at the Gators as they're currently... Uh, consi- are, are constructed now what is it they are lacking and and what is it that that they could could still do uh with what is left of seemingly a uh, a, a season heading for the rocks here so i'll answer the second part first the, the kind of the hope for optimism is that a lot of the players who are getting a lot of playing time and a lot of them who are doing really well are A, guys that Billy brought in rather than holdovers from the last regime, and B, a lot of them are younger guys. You know, mm-hmm. like Eugene Wilson from, from Gaither High School has been banged up, but when he touches the ball, he's got a chance to be really electric. You know, Andy Jean, a receiver from from uh, down in Miami, has got a, a ton of potential. Obviously, ETN is—I I get Dalvin Cook vibes from him. 
He's and, really and, good. He's yeah, really he's, good. He's fantastic. And, and yeah. you know how highly I think of, of Dalvin. So for oh, me to gosh, say that yeah. is, is saying quite, yeah, yeah it's, it's saying a lot. And, you know, like Shamar James and uh, Jordan Castell, like on, on defense. So so the, the cause for optimism is that there's a lot of young pups who are playing a lot right now. And you would think they would be better in game five or, you know, in, in game seven and eight than they were in game five and game 10 and 11 than they were in seven and eight. So that's kind of where you can see this going on the optimistic side. Um, what does this team lack is an interesting question. And there's there's a bunch of issues. Um, the, the defense took a major step back on Saturday. Um, I don't know how, I don't think it was coaching. I think it was just guys didn't make plays. There were, you know, I, I counted eight missed tackles in the first quarter. And the and, was bad, yeah. Yeah, and some of that's, you know, Kentucky's back. Davis is really good, and they've got a good front and all that stuff. But some of the guys just missed it. They just missed. And, and you can improve that. Like, there is, uh, even though there's no excuse for it necessarily, but if it's fundamental, if it's technique, if you're in position and you're just not getting guys on the ground, that's something you can fix. Correct, so. and and they'll have time to do that. Um, so, so maybe that's part of it. Uh, the, the other stuff, look, if we hit the fast-forward button, and right. go to the the most realistic scenario. How, how do I see this playing out if I had to put money on something? Right. What's going to happen? So so Florida ends up in the six and six range, plus or minus a game. I think six and six. You know, Fair. let's go with that. So Fair. they're six. They're six and six, and they head into a crucial off season. So the the main questions I have is what happens to this recruiting class? Uh, last you know I checked earlier today. We're recording this on what is it Wednesday night? Um, Florida has the number four recruiting class in the country in 2024 with a couple five stars, a bunch of four stars. Does that class stay if they go six and six? What if they go five and seven? What if they go seven and five? Like that's one of the questions. And and if if this thing is going to get fixed, that recruiting class has to stay intact or close to it. Um, and then the other thing as we fast forward here is what are the changes that Billy needs to make to his staff or to his process? So the first part is to his staff. Um, you know, he was asked uh, this week by Mark Long, our, our buddy from the AP, about whether he's still going to call the plays on offense. Um, and Billy said that he is. I question whether that's going to be the right thing to do going forward. You know, as of right now, Florida has number 108, that's in 108 scoring offense in the country against FBS, you know, D1 teams. That's not good, by the way. No. Uh, that, that's not Steve Spurrier. That's not Dan Mullen. That's not Urban Meyer. Um, so you question whether that's going to have to change. Is, is Billy going to have to figure out, you know, I, I need a play caller. And that goes against what he's done because his whole thing is we want to be kind of like Kentucky in some ways where they, they're big and physical up front. They run the ball really well and they play good defense. And part of that equation is having two offensive line coaches. If, if I can call the plays and coach the quarterbacks, that frees up a spot on my staff to have an extra O-line coach, so our offensive line should be better. I don't know, based on what we've seen through 18 games, that that's going to work. And Billy's going to have to take a really hard look at whether that's the case or whether he needs to go do, you know, to change and, and audible and, and bring in, you know, like when Saban needed to revitalize his offense, he brought in Lane Kiffin and completely changed course. Maybe Billy's going to have to think about something like that. Not Lane, but you know, you get the idea. Um, special teams, obviously, they've been a disaster at points this year, including the the penalty against Kentucky for leaping over the shield. Um, is Billy going to have to 
change that where instead of having an off-field analyst be in charge of the, the game changers as he calls them are they going to have to have a dedicated special teams coach like those are the type of questions that are going to have to be asked uh, on the staff and then the other thing is the structure the the administration the process the system all that stuff um as i was looking at this and kind of doing a deep dive for the last couple of days one of the things that jumps out is I think I've said it before on here, but everything that Billy has done has been as if he has a lot of time, as if he can be patient and build this thing a slow way rather than the fast way. So go back to the for the early signing period, you know, that's what, two weeks after he got the job, three weeks after he got the job. He said specifically, it's going to frustrate some people, but we're going to be very patient and deliberate about who we take in and how many we take, even if we miss guys, so that way we don't make mistakes. That's one part of it. You look at uh, the way he attacked the spring transfer portal this past year. He was criticized by fans about being too slow. We have, the process is too slow. You're going to miss on guys because of it. And there were a couple guys that maybe they could have gotten a starting offensive lineman, starting defensive back um, that maybe Florida could have had if they were faster. But he said, no, we're not going to rush my system. And, and if we miss on guys because we're too slow, okay, I'll handle that. I'll, 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 I'll take that. That's another thing that happens if you think you have time you know there were tweaks made to the staff this offseason but again he kept the play calling duties he kept the defensive system largely the same these are all things that you do if you think you have time and it's to the whole point of florida wanting to build a program that sustains success where you know if we're going to get where we're we're not high we're not too low we're, we're always we're always very good and in that mix. We need somebody who's going to, to build a foundation and do things the right way. And they think Billy is that guy who can do that um, based on the way he can build a program. The question is, is that still going to work in this era it, with the portal and NIL? Where again, look, Dan Lanning at Oregon is 15-3. and three. Mario Cristobal is 9-7 and seven at Miami. But you know, right now, they're undefeated. They're in the top 20. They can challenge for the ACC this year. Shoot, Jeff Tedford, uh, former Bucks assistant, he's fifteen and four at Fresno State. Like these are all people who are hired at the same time as Billy, and it's Billy's not doing as well. Joey McGuire at, at Texas Tech is ten and eight. He's a game better than Billy. Like these are things that are hard to fathom and hard to wrap your head around. Um, but Billy is trying to build it slow, as if he has that time. And this is a program where you don't get that. So at, at some point. Something is going to come to a head. These things cannot click where, you know, Florida is going to be okay with four years of bad to mediocre before things click. That's not how it works. I've seen that. So I, we can fast forward, you know, hit the, you know, hit the reset button this off season with a bunch of changes and see how it goes. But I don't know where, I don't know if it's going to get better. Certainly not this year. From what I know about Gator fan and Gator alumni, they don't buy green bananas. They want results, and, and usually they've gotten them fairly soon with some of the hires that they've had. Now, they, they didn't sustain that success, and then eventually they were fired. Um, but they do expect to win, and they expect to win pretty much every game uh, right away. Uh, the, the thing that, that – I'll just ask you this, Matt, because I, I know you, you talk to Billy on a weekly basis, and you're there. How's he handling this? Because this is a this is his big time shot, right? This is Florida. This is expectations can swallow you, and now there are some serious bumps in the road. And I think you find out about coaches sometimes when adversity strikes. And I think players 
also listened to sort of that rhetoric, and I'm just curious how this is going up there in Gainesville. So I'm going to give you the backstory to this first. And I go back to something that Scott Strickland, a story he shared um, just after he hired Dan Mullen. And he and, and Tebow had been talking about it, um, about the, the Florida job and what does it take and everything. And Tebow told Strickland something to along the lines of, look, Florida is a dream job, but we have to be honest about what it is. Because arguably the two, or the two most successful coaches in the history of the Gators, uh, Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer, either burned out or there is a perception that they burned out. This job chewed up the two most successful coaches that the program has had. Okay, and then, so that's what Tebow said. And then I can tell you what I have He's not wrong. No, he's not. And and I can tell you what I've seen. I saw a coach who was embattled at that point in 2017 go into Georgia Week talking about death threats to players or their families or or people around the program and then not giving any details. And then Mm. six days later, Jim McElwain was gone. I saw uh, Dan Mullen turn prickly in a way that he hadn't in the past right. after the Georgia loss in particular in South Carolina and some of those. It it changed. The tone changed. The style, yeah. the substance of the conversations changed. And, and then a couple of weeks later, he was gone. So I'm, where I'm going with this is Strickland told me a year and a half ago, maybe, that when they were hiring, the, you know, the process that led to Billy, personality was something that mattered. You know, the exact quote um, was, uh, we spent a lot more time focusing on the person and a lot less time on what someone's schematics were. The idea that whoever we're going to hire has to handle the job. He has to be able to handle that chair. And then, you know, the X's and O's are important too, but maybe we can find the assistants that can handle all that stuff as well. That's the implication. So Billy is a level-headed guy. He's an evil-keeled guy. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. But Monday was different. Um, it, it, and it was different, too, from what he said Saturday immediately after the Kentucky loss. You know, after the, after the loss, he said something along the lines of, we're going to deserve all the criticism we get for this. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the general gist of it. And then on Monday, it was a... There were some tough questions. I, I think I asked one of them, and I think we had to. Um, and four different times by my count, he said something along the lines of, you guys weren't asking us that a couple weeks ago after Tennessee. You, you weren't asking us that after we won, which is true, except last time I checked, they lost 33-14 to 14 to Kentucky. So it's different. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was more defensive, I wouldn't call him snippy or anything like that. He was more defensive. Mm-hmm. And that's a shift in in his personality and what he's done in the past. And I'm not saying that the sky is falling. I'm not saying he's burning out. I'm not saying anything like that. But I've been around enough of these situations, and, and I think you've been through one or two uh, tough coaching situations in, in your career as well. Um you can tell when something's different and this was different and I'm not quite sure what to make of it um, except to log the fact that to note the fact that this is different. And when I hear and see different, I've been trained for my ears to perk up. Yep. Yep. No, it's uh, you know, his team wasn't defensive, but he is. And that that is the change that uh, happens when guys start to feel the pressure, start to, um, resent the questions uh and and kind of turn that around and say yeah but you didn't ask me when when things were going well well 
things haven't gone well long enough for him to kind of get that equity. And and you can't be losing to Kentucky by 19 points in year two. Um, you know, it's just uh, not supposed to happen that way. So we'll follow the Gators and see what they are going to, whether they're going to bounce back or not. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's just go through a, a couple things because you were at this game last week. And talk about a choke. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is almost epic in college football history, I would think. Uh, Matt, you were at UCF. They're up 28 on the Baylor Bears and didn't win? Yeah, so I was upset because they made me do a lot more work. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they did. You thought you were filing this baby at halftime. Yeah, well, not just that, but like I went there because this was UCF's first Big 12 home game. So I was there for the pomp and circumstance and the hoopla. And I, I wanted to see with my own eyes and hear with my own ears, what is it like for this crowning achievement this coming of age moment for UCF and then I was going to look at it with okay what does this mean for USF like this is what you guys want at some point and if you do what they did you can have this day and I wrote 900 words of that and it was going to be fine um I didn't like what I had in the the third quarter but I knew I was going to get there at some point um and then they blew a 28 point lead and you know I'm barely paying attention to the game because I'm I'm about my story which was obviously never going to change and then at a certain point after one touch on oh okay that's interesting then there's another one I'm like oh i gotta like pay attention and then you know i, I obviously it it happens and they score 29 unanswered points and then the you're still thinking okay ucf's got a chance and maybe they can pull out this like miraculous victory here where you know a two-minute drill to win it and you know if if you guys haven't seen the timmy mclean fourth down play it is, I think it is the most ridiculous play I've ever seen with my own eyes. I mean, they, it was fourth down, uh, balls at the 30, Timmy gets in the shotgun at the 25. He's running around literally all over the field. He goes, I, I by my math, about three yards into his own end zone oh before God. coming out and, and completing a pass to convert on fourth down. Uh, unfreaking believable. Again, probably the most ridiculous play I've ever seen with my own eyes. And then UCF still loses. And, you know, just from where I am in my job, you, all those 900 words there, you publish the first version and say this is garbage, you have to completely redo it, and then you write another 900 afterward, and that's the way it goes. And um, it was it was just stunning with, with how it happened, because I, at no point did I think it was really going to happen until it actually did. And you're left just like scratching your head like what the heck did i just see and you know i've i've covered some choke jobs you know uh florida state had two epic failures under willie that come to mind they blew a 20 point lead to miami and then a pair of 18 point leads to boise um that kind of helped do willie in but this was just on another level i mean 29 unanswered points in the last 18 minutes and 30 seconds unbelievable 
Yeah, that kind of thing can and will get uh, certain coordinators fired if uh, if you're not careful. So um, that's a tough one to bounce back, especially with all the things they had going for them in the first home game in the Big 12 and all of that. Let's talk about the winningest team of late, uh, maybe in the state of Florida, or one of the winningest teams, and that's just right here in Tampa. The University of South Florida went to Annapolis and beat Navy, and Alex Golish's team now, has got a little bit of a little bit of momentum, and I'm looking at these next few opponents, Matt. I have to tell you, the Trent Dilfer UAB team, FAU and UConn, could this team be bowl eligible by the time we get to I don't know November, December, or yeah. way before December? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, UAB under Trent Dilfer, they're they're a mess. They're, yeah, I didn't think they would be good, and they they have. Proven me correct. Yeah, FAU is an interesting one on the 14th homecoming for for the Bulls. I don't quite know what to make of that yet. Um, that that's potentially going to be the new in-state rivalry with those programs. So I, I think that will be interesting. UConn's been awful under Jim Mora Jr. this year. They took all the goodwill they had last year, and then just it's it's completely gone. They're back to to the UConn of old, which just horrendous. So. I absolutely think there's a good chance that that the Bulls have six wins before Halloween, and it's we'll talk more about it if and when they get there. But this turnaround has been faster than I expected. You know, absolutely, it, and some of that is a product of how, of how they done it. Um, you know, they were very active in the transfer portal. Um, in the early period and then in the spring period as well. Uh, they turned over, I think it was literally half the roster or close to it. Um, but look, Alex Golich said day one when he got the job, we're, I think something along the lines of, we're in a race with ourselves to be as good as we can, as fast as we can. And everything that he's done has been in that mold. It's been the opposite of, of Billy Napier to bring it back to that, where Billy said day one, you guys are going to get frustrated because we're going to do, we're going to be patient and calculated. And Golish is the opposite. We're, we're sprinting as fast as we can and to this imaginary finish line. And to Alex's credit, it's working. Um, you know, you look in particular at just um, one thing, but the, he, he knew after this, the spring game that USF had a lot of work to do. I mean, I think I asked him how active they were going to be in the portal. And he said, very, <laughs> and they added a handful of guys in the spring period where it was kind of slim pickings to some degree. And the people who were in the portal were in the portal for a reason. And Alex even acknowledged like a lot of times in that window, you're trying to fill holes and you might make a guy bigger than he is just because you're desperate for a linebacker, a D tackle, whatever it is. This is the best guy we got to get him. Um, but they brought in five guys who have started at least one. Uh, at least one game from that period, which is a very good hit rate for anybody, but especially in that window. And those have been, you know, I don't want to call them transformative guys, but integral parts of getting USF where they are, which is the uh, first winning record they've had in, I think it's 2018, if I remember right, and in position to to make a bowl game, which, I mean, if you would have told me that in, in July that USF's going to make a bowl game, I would have said, absolutely take that. That would be a fantastic year one. A couple things that impressed me about it is that they fell behind to Navy, mm-hmm. uh, and it, and and there are teams in, in this era of a program, the newness of it, not used to winning, that might have struggled to to just erase those mistakes, and they did not. They came back and they came back hard. And I've always said this too, Matt, and you know it. College football is a coach league, uh, or it's a coach business, really, and. Much like players, I, I'm a firm believer that if you're a special player, it shows up right away. 
I think if you're a really good coach, you find out right away. And, I, and from what I'm seeing, and I know it's a small sample size, but I don't care. I know what USF has been through. I think Alex Golish can really coach, and he's and he's got the corny slogans and the you know we're not, no one's going to outwork us, you know, and the old you know all the cliches we're aware of. But he he's doing it on the field. He's not just you know he's backing it up, and his kids are buying into it, and they don't look like a, a forlorn USF team that we were used to in the past. So hats, I think Alex, I think this Alex Golish guy can coach. Really do. I, I think so too. And yeah. as you said, we have we have a very limited sample size. Let's sure. you know, sure. not saying they're going to win a national championship or he's well, I've the, just the greatest. Them. They're going to lose the next ten in a row. No uh, obviously, that's that's yeah. how it's going to work. But no, right. based on what we've seen so far, they have been able to keep fighting. You know, even like the Bama game, right? Like they, where they were competitive, and you know, I don't know how many teams the rest of the year are going to stay within fourteen points of Bama. So I, you give them credit for that, and the way they again down fourteen nothing to Navy, and they they find a yeah. way to come back and win. These are all, I guess, Obviously. if we're looking, yeah, if we're looking for indicators of where this is going, mm-hmm. these are all positive mile markers along the way in terms of you know being able to coach players up, you know, Byron Brown has been excellent. Um, being able to find and evaluate talent. You look at like Simmons, the, the receiver and, you know, uh, Zane Herring at, at O-line, you know, some of the guys they've brought in that are playing at a, at a high level. Mm-hmm. So, okay. You think he can evaluate, you think he can re- recruit and the signs are that he's doing a good job in the motivation in the X's and O's as well. So yeah, if you're a USF fan, you absolutely should be optimistic about the way what we've seen so far through five games and things can change and they will and you know whatever but where they are right now they're certainly better than i expected and usf fans should be happy going into uh to the next couple games that look winnable before the bye we're bullish on the bulls and and i would also say that as uh one famous coach out in Colorado says, "You better get us now because this is as bad as we're going to be." So, I think I think the arrow is definitely definitely pointed up. All right, let's go through these games this week, and there are some interesting ones. Florida State back in action, although uh, this might not be much bigger than a bye week. They've got Virginia Tech. There's no problem here, right? I don't think so. You know, Florida State had some kind of. People banged up earlier, but you know Jordan Travis apparently is is okay from the shoulder. They had some other guys that have been a little nicked up here and there over the year, uh, over the season already, but seem like they're going to be pretty cl- close to pretty full strength. Virginia Tech is a mess. Um, yeah, they had the win over Pitt the other day, but Pitt is absolute garbage this year. So yeah, I would think I would feel pretty good about about Florida State in this situation at home. Oklahoma and Texas last time for the Red River rivalry in the Big Twelve. It'll move to the SEC, but. Texas looks like one of these national contenders. Oklahoma, this is always a great game. So uh, Texas has the edge here, I would imagine. I think so. But look, I don't know what to make of OU. Like some of the advanced metrics see them as like a top eight, top Hmm. five team. Um, I'm not there just because they haven't beaten anybody. I I think the best win they have was a a two or three score win over SMU, which might be okay. I I don't know. I I just don't know what to make of them. Um, I I like, you know, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. He's kind of come on and continue to improve, but Texas top to bottom seems better. I I also know Red River is weird. Weird stuff happens there. Um, And just one of the, great environments in college sports. So I'm excited to, to pay attention to that. And it's, 
you know, I was talking with one of my OU buddies earlier today. Uh, it's nice to have that as a relevant big time game again. You know, kind of like what what, nice, what yeah. I felt what I felt when Florida Tennessee last year was a game day game. Right. Like that's one that's supposed to be really good every year. OU Texas is the same way. So I'm I'm just glad as a college football fan with with some Big Twelve roots that that one's a a marquee relevant big time game with with playoff implications. Well, this game used to be big in the Johnny Manziel era, but Bama and Texas A&M getting it on. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell's going on with the Aggies and Jimbo Fisher. I am too. Um, I think the, you know, I'm still kind of tainted by the Miami loss where A&M did not look good at all. And they were only as close as they were because of a couple gaffes by the Canes. Uh, but I think A&M's starting to figure it out. You know, they, they, they beat Auburn uh, and Arkansas, a couple of decent SEC teams. I think they they might be figuring it out to where the talent can finally show up on the field. And I, I still don't quite know what to make of Bama. I know they're at least good, um, maybe better than that once they kind of figuring out what to do with, with Milrow. But I think that's going to be a very interesting one. You know, Jimbo's one of the few assistants who's beaten Saban, and this one's in college station. I think that's going to be a really competitive one. This seems like a big, important SEC game, especially after Kentucky and what they did at Florida. They now have to go down and play the Georgia Bulldogs, two-time defending national champions. I like this game. I think this is worth a couple bags of popcorn, man. Yeah, I think so, too. But just because they're, they're similar styles and, and kind of the more old-school mm-hmm. ball control and, and, and play good defense, I don't know how good Georgia is. I really don't. And I kind of keep saying that because this is a year where there's no dominant team, which is, which is great. Um, yeah, but, but Georgia's, you know, had the 10 point win over South Carolina, which they had a nice second half, but I don't know about that. A close win over Auburn. Yeah, it's a rivalry and it's on the road and you don't want to ding it too much, but Auburn hasn't been great. So I don't know if Georgia is a really good team or if they're a national championship team. And I, I certainly don't think the Bulldogs are as good as they were the last couple of years, but they don't have to be. They just have to be good enough to, to keep winning, you know, win the next game. And uh, Kentucky is going to be a very good test for that just because of the, the type of style that they play. And, um, you know, Kentucky can take the air out of the ball too and, and have a chance to kind of limit possessions and limit the time Brock Bowers can touch the ball for Georgia. Finally, here's a real interesting game because we've seen Notre Dame now on the national stage the last couple of weeks. They had a bounce-back win over Duke that was important. Um, they they play a Louisville team that is undefeated, and Coach Brom's got them going there. So uh, this could be a tougher test than the Irish may have bargained for. Yeah, Louisville's one of the weirder teams, I think, to try and figure out. You know, I, uh, some of the, my my ACC colleagues were talking up Louisville as a potential ACC uh, a team that could be in the ACC title game. A lot of that was based on their schedule because they didn't have to play Florida State, they didn't have to play Clemson. Um, so Louisville's five and zero. I just don't know how good they are. They, they had the nice win over in, at, at NC State uh, last week, and Raleigh's a really tough place to play. So you give them a lot of credit for it. But close win over Indiana, close win over Georgia Tech. I don't know how good they are. Uh, again, I keep saying that because I, it's just a weird year. But yeah, they, they are 5-0. and 0. 
and uh, Notre Dame, if they don't play well, then then Louisville, I think, has a chance to get them. But uh, I'm, I think this is a, a chance for Notre Dame to kind of keep things moving and add a, another kind of another statement victory as they build their playoff case and moving on from the uh, the Ohio State loss. I got one more I want to throw out to really fast. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking for a night, a, a later game, uh, off the beaten path a little bit, Fresno State and Wyoming. Um, mm. You know, Fresno is top 25 undefeated. Wyoming's got only the one loss, which was to Texas, and, and Wyoming was able to beat a decent, I think, Texas Tech team earlier in the year. Um, that's an interesting one that's going to have some some implications here as the, uh, I think it's certainly, I think it's likely that um, the uh, the Mountain West champion ends up being the group of five representative in the New Year Six, and if we had a 12-team playoff, they'd be in the group of five uh 12-team playoff representative. So I think that's going to be one where, you know, I don't remember what the bowl would be if it's the Cotton Bowl or whatever this year, but the winner of that I think is going to have a a, a real leg up there and and being one of the, uh, or the premier team this year in the uh, the, the group of five. We'll bring it back Bring it back to where we started. Florida's hosting uh, Vanderbilt. Will you be up there, uh, Matt, on Saturday? I will be up there. And <laughs> my our, our buddy uh, Nick Delator from On Three had a really good way to say it. He, it, he didn't call it a must win; he called it a must not lose game. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, fair. I, yeah, I'm absolutely stealing that. But no, it, that's what it is. It's a must not lose because it beating Vanderbilt doesn't do you a lot of good. Um, but you can't lose to Vanderbilt again. You know, it's if they lose, it gets close to all bets are off situation because the the Florida fans, I say this with all due respect and all due love, they, they keep the pitchforks uh, close to them at all times. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not like they have to take them out of the garage. It, it's close <laughs> to them. Um, but, yeah, the, the pitchforks will be out in full force if they lose to Vanderbilt. Well, and, and they'll, they'll have them sharpened by the time they play uh, the next week against South Carolina. That one's on the road. Then, then uh, it gets really weird after that because they've got games coming up against Georgia and Arkansas and LSU, and we can at go Missouri on at Missouri, which is never is is a misery place for them. So yeah, uh, yeah, they better get this one. You better get the guys with the stars on their helmets because uh, it's not going to get much easier after that. He's Matt Baker. He'll be at the Florida Vanderbilt game. You can read all his work in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Thanks, Matt. Enjoy the games. You got it. Thanks, Rick. All right, should be a great college football weekend. And if you're one of these weather people, and I know I am, uh, just reading Paul Delegato's forecast, folks, come Saturday morning in the Tampa Bay area, you're going to feel just a little bit of fall. Maybe temperatures even as low as the 50s. I saw that. Somewhere in northern Hillsborough County, perhaps? Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is what we live for. Here in Tampa, that's why you sweat nine months out of the year just to enjoy maybe these next three months. It won't last long because we know what cold fronts are, but it's going to feel like football weather. And, of course, enjoy your college games. There's no Bucks game this weekend. They're enjoying their bye week. They'll be back a week from Sunday for the big game against the Detroit Lions at Raymond James Stadium, and they will be wearing their creamsicles. That's mm-hmm. right. They're breaking out the orange, baby. Aren't you glad to be a Buccaneer and – the and that game got pushed later, pirate. too. It's now a 425 start. Well, that's what happens when you win, Steve. Yes, you know, it does. You win, and you're 3-1, and one, and you're playing a, an upstart team like the Lions, who is winning the NFC North, and then all of a sudden the nation gets it, and uh, everyone wants to see Baker Mayfield 
play uh, in that game. So, yeah, uh, I'm not happy about it. It's a little later deadline. It's still not night game. I'm okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll make the best of the situation. So, yeah, uh, next Sunday should be nice. But enjoy your weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening, as always. Horsley Bursting, Gummer Stroud, the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend.